What is going on, beautiful people? I hope you are having an amazing day. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. I'm your host, Jay Nixon. And if you know anything about me or you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that my goal is to help you live your happiest, healthiest life while on the quest to cure obesity. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am immensely grateful that you spend your time listening to me rant and ramble about all things health, wellness, abundance, and opportunity. It absolutely means the world to me. Today's episode is sponsored by my brand new weight loss transformation program called FLEX. FLEX stands for a flexible lifestyle eating and exercise program. And my promise is this, it will be the last program you ever need to purchase. It is a weight loss program that is not a diet. I know that just blew your mind. This is not a diet. There's no pills, potions, or false promises that you have to purchase. There's no fad, no covers of magazines, no doctors and lab coats. This is real deal lifestyle transformation that is going to change your life forever. You will never need to do another diet. You're going to get expert level support and accountability. You're going to get transformative information about how to eat, when to eat, what to eat. There's three reasons that people struggle with weight loss. There's too, It's too much, too often, or the wrong combination. They're either eating too much food, too often, or they're eating the wrong combinations. And I'm going to help you fix all three of those. Thousands of people just like you have ditched the depressive diet roller coaster, have come on board with the Thrive Forever Fit flex program and are transforming their lives. We've got clients that have lost 10 pounds in the first seven days, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. We've got clients that are over 130 pounds down. Guys, I promise you, this is the last program you'll ever need to purchase. And I am more than honored to offer it to you so that I can help you on your journey. All right, let's get to the show. You are in for an absolute treat today. Today's guest is Ben Azadi. Ben is one of the world-renowned gurus when it comes to the keto diet, intermittent fasting, all the things weight loss. Ben transformed his own personal life by shedding 80 pounds of pure fat. And ever since then, he has been on a quest to help 1 billion people live a healthier lifestyle. If you've gone to a keto conference of any kind, there is a guarantee that Ben has probably been on stage. He is the author of the book, Keto Flex. I suggest highly that you go out and grab that book if you're interested in the ketogenic diet. Ben is one of the leading experts in that field. I cannot wait to talk to Ben about all things health, fitness, keto. We are going to have a ton of fun today. We're going to get educated. We're going to laugh. We're going to enjoy this time with Mr. Ben Azadi. Here we go. Ben, welcome to the show, brother. I am so excited to chat with you today. How you doing? I'm excited too, Jay. Grateful for our mutual friend, Lance, for connecting us. And uh, I'm on your amazing show. You get to come on my show soon. So awesome collaborations between us. I am super excited. Shout out to Lance. I mean, he knows how we both feel about him. Best dude on the planet. Yes. I want to start, man. I told you I was Instagram stalking you ever since Lance kind of connected us. And um, I, I said something before we started the show that I find you fascinating. And that's the most, that's the, one of the biggest compliments that I can give because I've I just think you're so passionate about what you do and why you do it that I'm really just drawn to you and your message. But you said something today on your Instagram that I want to start with because it is so it's so profound. It's so right in the same vein of how I believe. And you said drowning in information, but starving for wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I think the world that we both play in, right, like trying to help people get just healthy and well and fit and whatever label you want to put on it. I mean, that's our, that's our world in, in a nutshell, right? Like, I mean, we have, there's so much information in the, let's call it the weight loss, wellness, health and fitness world, but we've never been more overwhelmed. We've never been more confused. We've never been more chaotic. So when you, when you posted that today, what were you thinking? Like, what was the, what was the internal behind that? 
the you know you're you're right it's the day and age we live in it's the new problem too much information i posted that because i get so many comments from people with that same uh challenge they feel overwhelmed you know this person in the keto space or the health space says one thing and you're saying something else and we have so much power in the palm of our hand in the form of our phone that it's easy to just go on Dr. Google, right? And type in whatever topic. And then you have all these millions of articles that are conflicting yeah. against each other. And it leaves the person confused. And when somebody's confused, they don't make a decision. And then you have somebody who says, I know that. I know that information. I know that. But I, I remember Stephen Covey, he said, to know and not to do is not to know, right? It's it's really yeah. not the information that's going to change our lives. It's the right information, that wisdom that people are just really desperate for. So that that is my goal. I know it's your goal too, Jay, yeah. to kind of cut through all that noise and give people these proven strategies I call ancient healing strategies that that stand the test of time. And, and that that is the goal to get that information and not just information, but the applicable uh, approach of that right information so they could get results right away. Yeah, I, I read something the other day or I heard it. I don't get where I got it, but it's in my brain after you just said that. Like that my brain, my listeners know that's how my brain works. So you're gonna say something, I'm gonna be like, yes. And so we may go off in these little these little rabbit tangents, but so it was like the definition of learning is to be put in the same situation and then make a different decision. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I think a lot of times in the space we live in, people are given all this information. Like they'll read every book under the planet. Maybe it's on keto or paleo or whatever whatever the hot topic of, of the, the weight loss world is, but then they won't make any changes, mm-hmm. right? And I think that has to do with that very quote that you put. It's like, it's so much change and it's so much overwhelm and there's so much contradictory information because like you said, you can if you wanna go on the internet, you can find this study that supports and you can probably find another study that doesn't support. And it's like, well, as a lay person, it's like, well, who's right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And they don't know enough to go like I used to do a lot of like um, I have a really extensive medical background. I, I used to do a lot of clinical research analysis, like I would review clinical studies. Mm. And so one of the first things I learned to do in that space was who commissioned the study, <laughs> Like Who's paying for this? Right. And if you start chasing the dollars that way, then you can realize why somebody said what they said and why the study turned out the way it studied. We won't go down that rabbit hole, but yeah, that's one of the big things. But that is the the drowning in information. And then what information is valid? So for, I mean, I would consider you to be, and you may not like this, but I would consider you to be a or the one of the leaders in the, the keto space. If there's a conference on the ketogenic diet, I don't know one that I haven't seen you at or haven't or seen your name on the billboard or on the pamphlet. And so that that carries with it a lot of responsibility because you are one of the voices of that, you know, of that particular movement. How do you help people sort through that? You know, just in your own terms, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of info. There is, especially in keto, but in in all areas of health. And you're so right. You made a lot of really good points. We can make a study look the way we want it to look. It's so easy to kind of cherry pick. And you're right. There's so many things to consider. And it, it, it does the audience a big disservice. It really does the community, the person who really wants to get well, a huge disservice. So I've learned instead of spreading myself too wide, and this is for somebody who's really wanting to get healthy and, you know, educate themselves. I used to think more books are better, more people to study are better and go really wide with people to the point where it drove me crazy because it was just so much conflicting information. And I once, I remember several years ago, Jay, and five or six years ago, I read 23 books in 30 days, right? (laughs) Which sounds pretty cool, but in reality, it was not because right. I was like, "All right, now what?" <laughs> so right. I, I, yeah, like I what are you of, what are you applying from those twenty? That's like going a, mi- a mile I, wide and an inch deep. Yeah, right? I barely exactly. I barely applied anything because it was just too. So now, what I recommend and what I what I do is I go deep into one book where I yeah. read it over and over and over. I listen to it over and over and over, or I'll find a couple of people, you know, no more than five people that I really study. And that's what I recommend to the audience, you know, find, and let's say it's the keto space, find two or three people in that space who you resonate with and you, you're going to know your intuition is going to know, like you, you drive with their personality. They might have very similar information, but there's something about this man, this woman that you really resonate with. 
and go deep with them. And then it's going to be so unique to your goals and your unique history and your unique genetics and all the things that, you know, you talk about Jay. So maybe wearing something like a continuous glucose monitor, doing some lab work, looking at different metrics, not just the scale, because that's a liar, but looking at measurements and body fat. And if you see things going in the right direction, then you found a winner. But if you see things not going in the right direction, then maybe you discard that after a few months and find somebody else. So I know that's kind of a general approach, but that's the way I would recommend it. Go deep into a couple of people instead of studying 10 to 15 people. I love that. Two things you said out of that. About maybe three months ago, I I told all my listeners in my group, I'm like, I'm I'm not going to read another book for the rest of the year. And they were like, what? And I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and love it. dig deep into the books that I've already read and figure out what is an extractable, you know, implementable thing that I can take from that because I don't believe in reading for sport, right? I mean, so, and like, listen, I, with the caveat of, listen, if you like to read to go to bed and you want to read a, you know, a, a novel or something like that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like reading for information, right? Yeah. Like reading to get better. And so, I love that you do that. And I'm the same. I'm, I'm a weirdo just like you. I will listen to an audio book like 20 times. I love it. Like over yeah. and over and over again. Hey. And oftentimes I'm like, am I the only weirdo that's doing this? So thank you for validating me, Ben. I appreciate it. The weirdos that. unite, Jay. Yes, we are going to rock this. I love that. And so I also love what you said. Um, gosh, I had a great thought whenever you're talking. You gave so much great info there. I love how you talked about like, finding someone that you resonate with, right? And then, oh, here's what it was. You said, if it works, it works, right? If you're getting tangible results and you're getting like the things that you want to get out of the application of the book, if not, then move on to something else. I think most people look at that as a failure. I personally wouldn't. I would look at it as research and as like, you know, you now you know what doesn't work for you and now you can move on to the next phase. Like, how would you how do you apply that? Like, how would you like coach somebody through that process of like, I read this book and I tried it for six months and it didn't work. And like, now I'm just defeated. That's exactly, I have the same mindset as you. It's um, failure is only, fail. to me, failure only exists when you give up, when you yep. quit. That's when you are experiencing failure. Not that you are a failure. No human being is a failure, but you are experiencing failure when you quit on a goal. But if you navigate and try a different approach, you haven't failed yet. It's a lesson to be learned. I remember um, Thomas Edison, right? 10,000 tries to create the light bulb. And they were thinking he was crazy, you know, 6,000 tries in, 7,000 tries in. And they're like, aren't you upset that you failed thousands of times? And he goes, failed. What do you, I found 9,999 ways for it not to work. (laughs) It's like, that's the mindset. It's like, it's all on the way, not in the way. So to your point, Jay, it's all a lesson to be learned. There's wisdom in those um, pivots. And as long as you're just pivoting and and changing things up, but you still have your eyes on the prize, you're never going to fail. Yeah, I'm a huge mindset guy. And you said, you know, there was a quote that I I read that you wrote. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I can't give you credit for it because it's pretty big, but you become what you think about, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I find that to be so true. And give me your elaboration on that. Like, what do you, because I am I believe that to the core of my being, like, I don't believe you can ever be, do, or have any more than you believe you deserve. Uh, yeah. And in and, and what you, you know, what you truly believe you're, you're capable of and why you're here. So what, what's that? Why is that so powerful to you? Yeah, Jay, because it's a universal law, what you feed energy to expands. And the same thing with your thoughts, what you feed energy to, you will manifest, good or bad. So when you think about the average human being, they they did some studies, psychiatrists have determined that the average human has 60,000 thoughts every single day. And they also determined in those studies that 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts from yesterday, meaning less than 10% of people are creating original thoughts. And then 85% of those thoughts are are negative thoughts, what Zig Ziglar used to call like stinking thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And your thoughts will create your actions and your actions create your results. Therefore, you become what you think about. So if you're thinking either consciously or subconsciously that you're a failure, you're ugly or stupid or whatever negative thought, that will manifest in some form of inflammation and some form of negative result in your life. And that's not just woo-woo. If you look at Dr. Bruce Lipton, who I've had on my uh, Keto Camp podcast, he's proven that your thoughts are a frequency that yeah. have the ability, you know this, Jay, to penetrate your cells and communicate with your DNA nucleus. And if it's a negative thought, an angry thought, a resentful thought, 
that frequency is sent to the DNA and the DNA will produce inflammatory proteins. But or the great news is that if the thought is a loving thought, a grateful thought, an abundant thought, then that nucleus is producing anti-inflammatory proteins. So you get what you think about. You become yeah. what you think about with your health and with your results in life. It is a fact. Yeah, and my audience knows I'm a frequency freak. So I listen to frequency music in the background um, all day. So if I'm in my office working, like I'll have frequency music going of some sort. And so, yeah, Love my it. audience is, is deep into that. I've actually done a few podcasts just on the different frequencies and how they can affect you from different levels of healing to abundance to just thought. So mm. yeah, everything is all connected in that same, that same being. And so I'm glad you put, we brought up the inflammation because I'm a huge, like, I think inflammation is the root cause of, you know, or the, the first step in pretty much any problematic state that we're going to get ourselves into, yeah. you know, whether it be heart disease or diabetes or all that, they usually all present first with some form of, of inflammation. I want to get into a little bit of your story as well. I mean, I've read it, but I know most of my listeners probably haven't heard it. Like you didn't just fall down and land in this space, like where you are, like, how did you get to, to this place and, and, and where you are today as one, like I said, one of the leading experts in the, the world of keto. Pain to purpose, Jay. Um, like a lot of us, right. We, we go through struggles and for me, it was rock bottom. Uh, and when you look back at, if anybody has been through rock bottom, or maybe you are currently in rock bottom, when you're in it, it's very hard to see the blessing in that challenge that you're dealing with. And everybody's rock bottom is different. So for me, my rock bottom was in 2008. I was 24 years old. I was physically obese. So I weighed 250 pounds at that time. My body fat was 34%. My pan size was size 38 and not only was I physically obese, I was mentally obese. I was broken, broken. I was depressed and I was suicidal. Uh, and that is not an understatement. I was on the internet looking for the fastest ways to end my life because I was tired of hurting every single day. And every time I did that, Jay, I just, my mom popped in my head every time I explored suicide. Like today is the day I'm going to end my life. I'm tired of uh, crying and hurting. And then what would my mom have to deal with if I took my life? And I, I love my mom. I didn't want to do that to her. So yeah. it stopped me. But for months, that was the thought process. Every day for months. How do I end my life? I can't do that to my mom. And then back and forth, back and forth. So it wasn't until, you know, we talked about books. It wasn't until a friend handed me a book. My best friend, actually, him and his wife, they're married now. They weren't married back then. But they handed me a book and they said, I think this book would, would, will help you uh, with the challenges you're having right now. So I had never read books in my life. I did the bare minimum going through school just to graduate, uh, but I was desperate and I read the book and that book opened up a whole new world to me. As you know, Jay, when you read books, it's like all these doors open up. Yeah. One book led to five books, five books led to 10 books. And I, I fell in love with authors like Tony Robbins, who I got to uh, spend last two weeks ago at his Unleash the Power Within. That's yeah, incredible. That. Yeah, absolutely life-changing. I've been and, to, I've been to one. So yeah, I can, oh, yeah, you I can have. attest. Yeah. yeah. It's just so incredible. But he back then he was like his work was, you know, one of the influences, Bob Proctor, who uh, the photo I have behind me, yeah. Dr. Wayne Dyer. But, you know, the books, the number, the number one thing that the books did for me, and this is what I hope for your audience and for the world is uh, responsibility, right? That word responsibility. Do we understand that word? It is our ability to respond to life. Right. My ability to respond to life up until that point was poor. Uh, I was the victim. Of course, I'm obese. Jay, my mom worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken. True, true yeah. story. And she would bring me back, you know, fried food every night. Of course, I'm obese. My dad's diabetic and overweight. I got his genes. So that is a victim mindset. But when you take responsibility and ownership, that goes away. You stop being the victim of your history and you immediately become the victor of your destiny. And that's what happened to me. I took full responsibility. I started to move my body. I started to eat real food. And in nine months, uh, this is back in 2008, in nine months, I lost 80 pounds. I went from 34% body fat to 6% body fat. Yeah, I, I achieved a physical six pack, but the most important thing that I achieved was a mental six pack. And I started to understand how important those thoughts and mental health was. So that was 14 years ago. And uh, that's you know, that was the starting point for me. And there's been a lot of things along the way, but that's how it all started for me. That's so cool, man. I mean, a Dr. Wayne Dreyer book was kind of what started my transformational journey oh, as well. So, I mean, I love that. We could probably talk about that for hours, but yeah, that is uber powerful. Hats off to your friends for yeah. 
having the courage, right, to even hand you a book like that. Because when somebody's in that kind of space, it's like, you know, hey, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want them to feel like, you know, I'm piling on or I'm not supported. You know what I mean? Like, so, so true. That's, that's a gutsy, that's a gutsy move on their part. So hats off to those guys. And yeah, so grateful for them. I see yeah. them every week. We're having dinner in a couple of nights. So I'm just so, so grateful cool. they're still in my life. Yeah. And the cool thing, man, is like you actually, you actually applied lessons or something from that book triggered inside of you, you know, to yeah. go from the place of desperation to, to change is that's, that's massive. And I think a lot of people, maybe even not on the, maybe not to that depth, but I think there's a lot of people probably listening right now, or they're, they're going to listen to this that are going to be in that place of feeling like they've tried everything and failed and kind of the same things that you said. It's like, well, the, the, the deck is stacked against me. My whole family's overweight. I've been overweight since I was a child, like without being able to hand them that same book that, that you, you read, what's something that you would say to that person that, that kind of that you remember was like maybe the tipping point or the thing that got you just to take, cause I'm big, even like on the micro actions. Like I think a lot of times we think we have to make these epiphanal moves that are going to be just transformational and monumental. And in my experience, it's never been that. It's always been like a baby step or a micro action that has gotten me moving in that right direction. Do you remember the first thing you did? Or the, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. A lot of people think it's like go big or go home. And yeah, yeah it's great to have big goals and all that. But it really starts with what you just said, Jay, those micro actions. I call them small tweaks, right? I would say small tweaks lead to giant peaks. So yeah, um, for me, it was just reading every day. Uh, that was the first thing to get that knowledge uh that the story of an author into my mind uh so maybe 15 minutes of reading some sort of book from wayne dyer or tony robbins or wherever you choose but that could be the first start and then you gain momentum and then as you you know start to take more responsibility then you maybe go for a walk you know i started to walk around i started to uh, order less pizza and eat real food so you started to stack these habits like you like you said the small little tweaks yeah and then uh, i gained momentum and then you just keep gaining momentum but i i remember tony robbins he used to talk about uh shoulds versus musts must, yeah. right a lot of people are like yeah i should eat healthier or i should go to jay's gym or i should um, do whatever thing you've been thinking about. And he's like, stop shooting all over yourself. So many yeah. of us are shooting all, all over ourselves. But when you change your shoulds to must, then it's like non-negotiable because musts are a committed decision and shoulds are more of an interest. And there's a big difference between being interested in something versus being committed. Totally. When you're interested in something, you'll do it until it becomes inconvenient or challenging and then you'll quit. When you do something because you're committed and it's a must, you'll do whatever it takes to get that um, result, right? And that's the difference. I was rock bottom and I knew I, I must get out of this place. Not I should get out of here, but I knew I was not going to take my life and I was tired of hurting every day. So I turned that into a must. Now, ideally, we don't want to have to go through so much suffering to make that decision. So I would recommend not having yeah. to go through all that suffering and make that decision and attach pain as much as possible to um, the results you're getting in life when, without making that decision to change, right? What sort of pain will come up in five years, 10 years, 20 years, if you're not making those changes? And then what would it look like in five, 10, 20 years, if you made those positive changes? So they see the different outlooks of those futures and then turn it into a must. And that's what I did. I love that. It's like, yeah, you don't need to get the scars. You just need the stories. And so you, there's plenty of stories out there, right? I mean, some, they're just hearing yours right now. So let's don't, Let's don't go to Ben's extreme. Let's just use his story and his scars to, to change our story and, and maybe start making some of those new, those new shifts. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. And I'm big on language. Like that. I think language is so important. Like one of the first things that I will do if somebody comes into me and says, you know, that they want to lose weight and we're just having a basic level conversation is I'm the first thing I, before they even, obviously I know they're not eating well, they're not moving well, they're not doing anything well. I'm listening to their language first. And that's the first thing I try to get them to start to move into a better place with. Because like you said, if you're saying I should, or, you know, I don't, I never use the word can't. It's just not mm. in my vocabulary. I don't like it. I don't, I never say I have to, I always say I get to, mm. right. Even if it's something challenging. And so that's one of the kind of things I say is like, you get to eat beautiful food, right. You get to you know, move your body, you get to, and if you'll just change those little languages, I think that's a, that's a big, big helper in that. 
I've listened to you talk a lot and I find that you're probably in that a little bit of that same vein of of powerful language. I mean, I, you're, you have your gratitude shirt on today. I can just see the top of it, but I've seen it before. Um, so we share a lot of those same principles. What has, were you, and this is kind of a rhetorical question, but like, what was your relationship with gratitude in that lowest state versus your relationship with gratitude today? And how has that been an epiphanal, you know, mover of the needle for you? Yeah. First of all, I love that you're so aware of your language and I, and I, I am too, I'm like you. And I still, to this day, even though I've worked on it so much, I still find myself sometimes saying, Oh, I have to call my mom. Oh, guilty. Yeah, Listen, right? I'm guilty. I'm not perfect. <laughs> I just try. My, my objective is to not say that. Right. And, and then the, you know, the goal is to become aware of it and then close that gap. Oh, I get to call my mom or I get right. Yeah. So like you said, so that's the goal. You know, you're not going to be perfect and we don't expect perfection we just expect progress right so I, I agree language is so important and you know gratitude falls in line with everything every single thing we want in life gratitude could help you accomplish that it's not the only thing but it is part of the picture here because uh, again universal law what you appreciate appreciates what you feed energy to expand so when I was depressed and suicidal and unhealthy and unhappy and I had all these bad behaviors there was no gratitude there was the opposite which is uh, anger and resentment and um, just being miserable. But when you shift into gratitude, it changes your language, it changes your vibration. And, and it's not woo woo. I mean, there's a part of the brain called the reticular activation system or activating system. And that part of the brain, it's the size of the, your pinky. And it is the selective seeking mechanism of the brain. And, and thank God it's there because there's so much stimulation every single day, millions of different stimulations from lights to sounds and you know things on our phone and TV. If we didn't have something in our brain to filter that all out, we would short circuit the brain and we wouldn't be able to focus. We'd be like just so distracted. So this is responsible for keeping you focused and filtering out things that are not important so you could see things that are important to you. And so what you feed it, you see more of. And this is the point. Um, and this is how it works. Let's say a, a woman listening to this uh, podcast right now uh, bought a beautiful, like cool leopard dress uh, at the mall. And then all of a sudden she sees that leopard dress like everywhere she goes. And she's like, whoa, that's not cool. I, you know, I thought I was the only one with this leopard dress. Like, did they just buy it because I bought it? No, the leopard dresses uh, were always there, but now she's seeing it because she activated the RAS. Same thing if you buy, you know, a red Ford, uh, um, uh, what's a Ford uh, Explorer? Well, I don't know. Yeah. But And then you see Ford Explorers everywhere, right? So it's like, whatever you feed it, you see it. This takes me to gratitude. What you feed energy to expand. So if you are practicing gratitude, if you are intentional about thinking about what you're grateful for or writing it down, now you're going to see more things in your life that you're grateful for, that we're always there, but now the RAS, the reticular activating system, sees it versus how I used to be, Jay, focusing on all the things that are not working and what I'm angry about and how I'm so fat and so stupid. That's all I see because that's all I've, I've given my RAS. And that's exactly how gratitude works. That's why I call it vitamin G. It's the world's strongest supplement in the world. There's no upper limit. It's free. You can't overdose on it. And I recommend everybody get their daily dose every single day. I love it. I'm the same way. And I, and I can, my personal belief is the more that you practice and the more it becomes part of who you are, the easier it becomes. Like it's, it's yes. so simple for me to find gratitude or, or gratefulness in virtually anything, sometimes even in challenging things. Yeah. Like I can, I can, you know, get that first trigger. Like we all do of like, Oh, this is going to be irritated. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Right. Just do a little quick, positive reframe. And then I can figure out a way to, to manipulate myself to see the gratefulness that I, that I should be feeling for that. So my suggestion for anybody who's doing that and saying, well, it's just not working. It's one of those things that you just, it's, it's reps, right? Like you, the more reps you apply to it, the more, the more progress you're going to make with it. Yeah. And, and I would, I would add to that, you know, cause that does happen. People are like, yeah, I'm writing down, you know, what I'm grateful for, but I don't, I don't notice a difference. So a couple of things, don't treat it like a checklist, right? You know? Yeah. 10 things I'm grateful for. I'm done. Instead, maybe choose three things you're grateful for and spend a minute on each one. Right. And feel like, go back to a time in your life that you were grateful for or something right now that you're grateful for and feel what it feels like. What does it sound like? 
Um, what does it look like? And, and sit in there for a minute, right? And if that still doesn't work, if you're still like, I don't feel the gratitude, then then look at your life if that was taken away from you, right? Yeah. Let's say the apartment or house you live in, if that was taken away from you and you were on the streets, what would that look like? And that would put you in a state of, oh my gosh, like, thank God I have somewhere to stay, right? So take it away and then see if that gratitude comes back to you. Yeah, obviously try to attach an emotional component to it. Mm -hmm. Like if you can feel as, as much as you're thinking about it, then it'll make a difference. You said something about like being focused on being overweight. Right? And I think a lot of people are uber focused on that. Like I got a question um, from one of my groups and one of my clients said, I've lost 60 pounds, but I'm still focused on being overweight. I don't see myself as someone who has lost 60 pounds. I still see myself as that same overweight person. And so that's a pivotal shift. Like what what kind of, what would you say to, how do you shift from not focusing on the current state of, of, of where you are and then, you know, in, in more so shifting that to where it is you want to be? Like, how would you use gratitude or any of your tools or resources to like shift the brain to that? Yeah, it's a great question. And that's a, that's a big challenge for a lot of people. Even for myself, Jay, when I, when I lost my 80 pounds back in 2008, it took me two years until I finally felt like I was a, a a thin person, a fit person. I still, even though I was 180 pounds, 6% body fat, in my mind, I was still an overweight fat guy. Yeah. It took me two years until I finally felt like, oh, I'm actually thin. Let me take off my shirt and enjoy myself, right? Uh, it doesn't have to take you two years. So it's just your paradigm. It, it is Your paradigm is your a multitude of habits that are embedded in your subconscious mind that just fire on autopilot. And there's two, two ways to change the paradigm. An emotional event, like when I was depressed and suicide, a very emotional event, event I got out of it. 9-11 was an emotional event for a lot of people. It changed their paradigm, changed the way they thought. Ideally, we don't want to go down that route because it's a lot of suffering involved. But then the second way, and this is the way that I recommend, is the consistent um, repetition of that new idea. So the new idea in this scenario, the person who's lost 60 pounds but still feels like somebody's overweight is to um, use affirmations, you know, as silly as that might sound to people, but I am yeah. healthy and lean and I'm at a whatever ideal body weight. I am healthy and, and just saying that over and over, writing it over and over and over. And as you do that, you change your neural pathways and these neural groves, grooves in your brain. And it's just a matter of time before your subconscious mind accepts it as truth because a subconscious mind cannot um, reject anything, right? You know that, Jay, it accepts yeah. everything as truth. It cannot determine what's real, versus what's not real. And a perfect example is this, like I, I want your audience to uh, imagine you're, you're in your kitchen and you walk into your kitchen and you see, um, you open up the fridge and you see there's a bag full of lemons. So you take one of those beautiful lemons, a nice crispy, juicy lemon that's fresh and ripe and you cut it in half. And uh, you're looking at that lemon, looking at the, the meat of that lemon and you bite into it. And you start chewing on that lemon. Like, is your mouth water? My mouth is watering a little bit, right? Like, it's not my, my jaw. My jaw actually just clenched up right here. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's it's because the subconscious mind accepts everything. So yeah. you could you could trick it in a way. You know, I say trick it, but you could change it, change the paradigm. And it might happen in thirty days. It might happen in sixty days. But the more you do that, the faster that result will happen for you. I think I might've, I've learned this from, from Dr. Joe Dispenza, but he was using a more, cause a lot of people have like traumatic things that they keep recalling. Mm. Right. And they, if they focus on like the being overweight or like you, like focused on those suicidal moments. Um, he says that the body can't delineate between the actual event itself and you thinking about the event, meaning like, so if you get in a car wreck and you're actually in the physical car wreck, that's one thing. But if you keep reliving it, your body doesn't know the difference and you'll release the same chemicals and hormones and everything at the time of the wreck. So if you think about that, I mean, that's the, I mean, the human mind is a, is a brilliant and, and, and complex, you know, the most, probably the most complex computer on the planet, because that, that is, is radical. Yeah. And, and if it can do that, then we can reverse it, like you said, and, and, and move that for the positive. And so what I want everybody to hear, and Ben articulated this beautifully, is if you can think about the negative and create those negative emotions, then you can think about the positive and create the positive emotions. And it might take a little bit more work because we are wired 
as humans just to be a little negative because back in the saber tooth tiger days you had to be a little defensive right you had to be on the lookout a little more than we are now but now like there's nobody there's no saber tooth tiger in the backyard we don't really have to be on defense all the time and so i love i am statements and those belief statements and i think the more you drive those into your just into your you know your dna the more you begin to stand a little taller and feel a little better about yourself so i think i'm a big believer in that Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. You're right. It's, it's so powerful. You could use that power for uh, the negative or you could use it for the positive, but it's really your choice. Yeah. And we're designed, like you said, hardwired to use it for the negative because it's for survival, that amygdala part of the brain. Right. But um, awareness is the most important thing here. We'll become aware of those thoughts and it's not going to happen overnight, but close the gap between a negative thought and a powerful thought, a positive thought, and you'll get better and better. And we're still working on it. Me and Jay, we're, you know, every day, but oh, the yeah. goal is to just get better and better. And as you do that, then you change the paradigm, you change um, your, your physiology and you change your results in life in general. That awareness is key. Cause like I said, well, I go and you said, you know, I have to do this. I raised my hand and said, oh my gosh, I, I catch myself. But I think that's, that's the key is the catch. Yeah. Right. It's like, I catch myself doing it. And I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll trigger myself to be like, no, we, we, and I'm talking to myself in the third point, we don't talk like that. Like we, we do this. And so that's really, you know, a, a, and that's the relationship that I have with myself, right? As I done, I'm, I'm coaching myself throughout the day. And I think the better you get and the more you move towards that, like the better um, that life will be. I got a question the other day, Ben, that I want to get your take on. Cause I, like I said, as a leading expert with helping people, you know, do what it is that you've already done, right? So person says that they cannot set down to any, any meal, any food, no matter what it is, good and or bad, without overanalyzing the process. I mean, like overanalyzing the food, like, is this going to be good for me? Is this going to be bad for me? Like, is this going to make me gain weight? Is this not going to make me gain weight? And they said that their daughter had brought that up to them and said, mom, you've always done that. And, and this person is overweight and currently on a journey of trying to lose that weight. Like, what's your, what's your take on that? And like, what would you say to, if I said that to you, if that was my question, like, how would you, how would you bring that back to me? Yeah. So is it, is it um, more of like an orthorexia sort of thing, or is it more of just like over, just over analyzing what this food is going to do to me? Like overanalyzing, am I, am I doing the right thing? Like, am I eating? Is this the right thing to be eating right now? Is this too much? Is this like, you know, really simplistic for, for lack of a better term, but like, all, but no matter what it is, it could be a chicken breast and it's going to get overanalyzed. Yeah. I mean, I would say, uh, look at what we've done for thousands of years, right? Is it, is it a food that's a real food? Is it a whole food? It's something our ancestors yeah. ate or is it something processed, Right. So right there, if you're eating real food, um, I wouldn't be concerned with, uh, is it, you know, chicken or eating too much? I would just focus, is it real food? Is it right. whole food, not processed something out of a box? Um, and if you're having chicken or having protein, you know, the cool thing about eating real food, especially animal-based uh, food like protein, your body is so amazing that you have these natural hormones and chemicals. You have things like cholecystokinin, leptin, peptide YY. These are hormones and signals that will tell your stomach and your brain you're full, put down the fork. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to overanalyze it. That is if you eat real food and re eat real protein. But if you're eating processed food that's devoid of that, then you have to worry about it. Then you're probably going to overeat. Then you're going to be hungry after you eat a meal. So I would say just if you eat real, real food that our ancestors ate, then don't even worry about it because your body is amazing and it'll take care of the rest for you. Totally, totally agree. I think I wrote down real food versus food, I call them food like products. Yes. I think the majority exactly. of the majority of the American diet is not made up of real food anymore. It's made up of like food like products. Exactly. And so I always say like if it if it comes in a box, and I'm really big on like trying to get people to like look at labels and like if you flip something around and it's supposed to be, well, I mean, first of all, real food very rarely comes in the label. Yeah, that's right. If um, right. you're going to buy an avocado, there's no label. Right. You know, a no. banana, there's no label. Yeah. Yep. No label. There's no label on steak. There's no yep. label on, you know, things of that nature. Like also contains, right? If something says also contains, it's probably going to contain some things that you don't want, want into your world. As as you go to these, these conferences, there's been, you get to talk to people. It's like, what are the questions that 
that come from the audience? Like, I mean, you know, just, I mean, I know that's a big question, but like, what do you feel like is the theme of the, of the weight loss world that you're kind of playing in? Like, what's the message that you're trying to get people to understand about food, right? Because it is so confusing, kind of going back to like where we started, right? We drown in info, but lack of wisdom. And so when somebody comes in the, to, a, to a keto conference, like they're coming for wisdom. They're coming to, because yeah. they trust that, uh, hey, Ben's going to be there and he's going to give me some some tools and some some strategies that I can actually use. Do you find the people in the audience are overwhelmed? Or and you're trying to simplify it, or what's what's the general consensus? Absolutely, they're overwhelmed um, because you know you go to one conference and these conferences are terrific. Don't get me wrong, but there's 10, 15, 20 different speakers, and not all the speakers are aligned. Meaning right. they're gonna it's gonna be conflicting information. So again, it goes back to what we started the conversation with: find a couple speakers or a couple people that you really resonate with and go deep into their work. Otherwise, you're gonna be freaking confused. But the common questions I see is how do I break a plateau or how do I lose weight? But the, <laughs> the questions are focused on, and hear my heart here, it's the wrong questions because they're focused on the symptoms. Meaning right. if you're 60 pounds overweight, 200 pounds overweight, 500 pounds overweight, that is not your problem. That is a result of the actual problem. Being overweight, it's a weight symptom, not a weight problem. Nobody has a weight problem. It is a weight symptom. If you take care of the cause, the symptom goes away by default. That's the way it works. So what is the cause? Now that's the right question to ask. Okay. Right. What are the causes of why I am uh, overweight and can't lose weight? That's a better question. And the, the, the cause is inflammation, which you said, Jay, but more so cellular inflammation and hormones. Your hormones are not communicating well because there's too much inflammation, which leads you towards all right, why is there too much inflammation? So it gets you down the right path. Yeah. Maybe then we look at your lifestyle and you're sleeping three hours a night and you expect to lose weight with three hours per night. Not going to happen. That's going to create too much cortisol, too much inflammation. So we work on the sleep and by default, you start to lose weight, right? So it's like, that's what I see all the time. How do I lose 20 pounds? How do I lose yeah. 50 pounds? But they're asking the wrong questions. It's how do I work on my hormones? How do I reduce yeah. inflammation. So that's the most common theme I see. I, always, I love that. I always say like the first question is never the real question, right? Exactly. It's never the question. It's never the question that we really need to be answering because it's, first of all, it's not answerable, right? And it's in the context that it's given to you in. And then secondarily, like it's, it's never really what they really need to know. I always say weight loss is a side effect. That's it. Like weight loss yeah. is a simple side effect. It's not the actual thing. It's the actual side effect of you making a whole bunch of different decisions, maybe not even a whole bunch, but just some different decisions about what it is that you're doing. So people don't love to hear that though, Ben. They want you to tell them, how do I leave here and lose 50 pounds by Christmas, right? And so and when we, you get- And we could do that. I know you and I, Jay, can do that. But oh, yeah. it's not gonna be sustainable and it's not right. focused on health. It's, it's, it's uh, focused on a symptom. I love that. So I love the sustainability piece because I always, I don't like the D word. Like I don't even like to use the word diet because I feel like we've been programmed for that to have an end date, right? Like if like I'm going to do this diet, which means that at, at said end date, whether it's a month, 30 days, six weeks, whatever it is, well, then what, right? And then, then what is usually what I did before I started the diet. And then that's why we get on this roller coaster. So I I don't even like to use the word. I think it's probably the most dangerous word that in our in mind and your world. Yeah. But when you're talking about sustainability, what are what are some of your strategies and tips? And I mean, you don't have to go like this, not super scientific, but just like because I think that's where people struggle is like they struggle to sustain some people for a week, some people for a lifetime, right? And I, I want to teach people lifestyle, a lifestyle they can live with. Like I feel like I'm so blessed. Like. I don't think about, I don't think about food in a negative way. Like I have a lifestyle that I know I am going to be able to live within for the rest of my life and never have to deal with being overweight, over-inflamed, obese, any of those things. So what are, what are your starting strategies for that? Yeah. I mean, I, I love that you live that lifestyle, live it to leader, right? That's what it's about. I would say to get clear on your why. Uh, like Jim Rohn used to say, when you're, when your why is strong, the how becomes easier. So why? And, and like you said earlier, it's, Layers and layers and layers and layers beyond your first answer. <laughs> right. uh, it's not, I want to lose 50 pounds and have more energy. Okay, great. 
Right. But why? Right. Like, where is that showing up in your life? Where is that showing up in your relationships? And as you dig deeper, then you'll get the real why, which could probably be, well, you know, I just became a grandparent and my grandkid is two years old. And every time they visit, I just don't have the energy to spend with my grandson and I love him so much and I'm just tired all the time. Well, that's a why you want to have energy for your family or you're a husband and you go on vacation with your wife all the time because you're financially you know, independent. So you go on these amazing vacations, but you're hurting all the time. You have to sit down. You got to take naps at the hotel and you're complaining and it's affecting your relationship. Like that is a why. You want to make sure you have a healthy relationship with your fiance, your wife, excuse me. So you get clear on the why, number one. And then number two, choose health over dogma, right? And I see this in the keto space, not just the keto space, but all over the place. And this is a message, Jay, that is controversial in my space, the keto space. And to be honest with you, a lot of people in my space that teach keto and do keto forever don't like my message because I don't like that message of being dogmatic. I think keto is a great tool, not a diet, like you said, but a tool, but it's not the only tool and we don't do it forever. We use it to achieve metabolic flexibility. So whenever you're teaching something or doing something because you're so dogmatic about it, you're going to get yourself into trouble. And I've been there myself when I started keto doing it in 2013. I was a vegan in 2012. I was dogmatic. So I would say choose health over dogma. There's not one nutritional approach for us all. And always mix up your nutrition. So I teach keto flexing. I teach going in and out of ketosis. So that would be my two tips right there. Get clear in your why and be choose health over dogma. I love that. And so you, you said a couple of things there. I am could not agree with you more about the flexibility. Like people always say, Jay, what should I eat? I'm like, well, that's, that's an impossible question for me to answer. Right? <laughs> like, I, I, could, I could tell you what I'm going to have for lunch, yeah. but it may not be the best option for you for lunch. So true. And so you did, um, you just released a new video and it's the five mistakes. Yeah. I, I could butcher this. So you clean it up. Five mistakes that you made when you first started doing keto. Yeah. So five, not just what I made, but what I've seen over the last 10 okay. years. So five mistakes to, that I see people make on keto and we have to stop doing immediately. Okay. So we can, and all, all of Ben's stuff is in the show notes. I mean, the books, the, I mean, how to follow him. We're going to go through all that at the end, but so we'll go to his YouTube channel and watch that for anybody who wants to know those five mistakes. Um, I, you did say, I, I don't know if you said this on your, one of your Instagrams or whatever today, but you said something about being dogmatic when you first started yes. and about how that was a, that became a problem for you. Was that because of like the programming that you, that you had kind of almost like a dieter's belief that you had to go all in so strict? I, I'll, I'll call it like the starvation deprivation mindset. Because oftentimes if we think, hey, I want to lose weight, our first thought process is, well, I'm going to have to starve myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to deprive myself. I can never have cake ever again in my <laughs> entire life or it'll be ruined. Like we think like that. Yeah. And that's so, yeah. in my belief, that's so wrong, right? It's a, you're right. It's a dieter's mindset. And yeah. that's what I did for most of my life. You're right. Um, How did you break that? Do you remember? Uh, yeah. So I broke that when I started to realize that I could do something uh, radical like that and cut calories or, you know, do an approach and I'll get results and my community will get results when I teach it to them. But those results are short lived. And it's uh -huh. like, okay, there's only so many calories you can cut. There's almost only so many carbs you can cut. There's only so many extremes you can get to. And this can't be sustainable right. for me or for you know my future audience. So I learned that the goal is metabolic freedom, a metabolic flexibility, that we have these two energy systems, if you will. I'm just going to simplify this, that we one pathway is burning sugar and glucose. And then the other pathway is burning fat and using ketones. Both pathways are not bad, both pathways are, are not necessarily good, but um, depends on how you use them, right? The problem is that most people are stuck burning sugar. Right. There was a study that came out in 2018 from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Over 8,000 people in this study looking at, uh, for years, they did this study looking at blood pressure, uh, other metrics for health, A1C, insulin, uh, on medication, off medication. They wanted to determine, Jay, how healthy is the American adult population. And they determined at the end of the study that um, only 12% of American adults are metabolically healthy, meaning 88% of American adults are metabolically unhealthy. And this was before COVID, you know, it got worse after COVID. So from that, you know, we see that it's not about being radical on every, any side. It's about metabolic flexibility. So I started to learn that it's about 
having a healthy metabolism, not speeding it up or slowing it down or whatever, but having a flexible metabolism. So as I started to understand that, um, I started to make sense that, you know, keto to an extreme is not good. Vegan to an extreme is not good. Cutting calories to an extreme is not good. The goal is to have metabolic flexibility because when you have that, like you said, Jay, it's so sustainable. You, you know, you don't have to worry about, all right, how many calories are in that or how yeah. many, how much proteins in that. So that's the name of the game. We, yeah. we want to choose metabolic flexibility. I could not agree more. Like I, I kind of have the moniker, like for my own personal life is like, I think I have a discipline, like the, the whole discipline equals freedom kind of thing that I yeah. live by. It's like, I'm disciplined so often that it gives me the freedom to do what I want when I want to do it. Like, I'm not a big pizza guy. Like, it's just not my thing. I'm not a big Italian food lover, but my wife, Lori, loves pizza and she loves Italian food. And so wow. if we go somewhere that has amazing pizza, then I'll eat pizza. Like, I'll have a slice or two of pizza. And I always say, guys, guess what happened to me? They'll be like, what? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't die? Nothing. I didn't gain any weight. You didn't gain 50 I didn't, pounds, Jay? I didn't die. Like I didn't, my body didn't shut down. Like, like, you know, it's all, you know, oftentimes I'll, you know, I'm not a big sweets guy either, but like, if, if I'm in the, I always say this, if you're going to treat yourself like in something that you like, if you love sweets or whatever, like don't go to the grocery store and get like the blue Keebler elves package. that has been there for like 17 years. Like find the best bakery in your town Yeah, yeah. and go buy one chocolate chip cookie take that thing home and enjoy the crap out of it. Then that's, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. Like that's the flexibility. Do it, do it right. Yeah. That's the flexibility that I'm, that I want people to understand is like, if you're so strict and you're so rigid, you will eventually break down. I love the fact that you're also willing as a, as a leader in your, in your space to say some different things, because that, I think that gives you more in my book that gives you more credibility because you're not just, willing to like, Hey, if we don't say, if we say this, like somebody might, you know, might not think we're full keto. Right. Like and, keto then, right and then, yeah, then I'm going to get in trouble and then it's going to yeah. be a whole, a whole big deal. So I commend you for being willing to, to, to have your own voice and to step into that. And is that kind of what keto flex is all about the book? Yeah, exactly. You know, keto flex, you know, my, my thought on keto is that it's not a diet, it's a metabolic process and there's nothing new about keto. Uh, what we have essentially the 88% of the people that are unhealthy. I, I, when I, when I lecture on stage, I'll show that study and then I'll kind of rewrite it in my slides and show that it's actually a keto deficiency. I'll, I'll show 88% of American adults have a keto deficiency, right? So I look at it as a tool that people need to lean into short term. So uh, I know that our ancestors all did keto. Uh, that is a fact. There's nothing new about yeah. keto. And I know that because there wasn't food readily available all the time for our ancestors right. and they had to fast. They, they had to fast for a day, for weeks, sometimes months. And by necessity, their body, uh, their, their uh, innate intelligence was now using body fat and the liver produced ketones. So it's a metabolic process. That's all there is. But I also know for a fact that there's not one culture in the history of this world that stayed in ketosis long-term or stayed in a vegan diet long-term it's the, you know, the flexing in and out of ketosis. So that's, you know, to answer your question where keto flex came about. Do you talk about intermittent fasting at all in your book? Yes. I'm a big, okay. I love um, intermittent fasting the right way. Yes. Yeah. Me too. I'm the same way. Like I believe. And I think, and I also want to reiterate, I, my belief is that is also not a diet. That is a, correct. that yeah. is what we, that is what our ancestors, 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 that it was their life. It's, you know, cause like you said, they couldn't go to Whole Foods and get strawberries twelve months right. out of the twelve months out of the year, right? Like they got they got they got a strawberry in April once a year. Yeah, they We're they ate it with, hardwired. Yeah, we are to do fasting, feast, famine, cycling. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been intermittent fasting for probably ten plus years now, and it's awesome. it is the I can't even possibly think about going back. Again, I wish I I wish I would remember to say you might have even said this. I heard the other day, and if, if it was you, please say yes, yeah, that was me, <laughs> that the human beings are eating sometimes up to 17 hours a day or something radical. Oh, yeah. Like that. Did you, you say yeah. this? So, yeah, it was me. So the, okay. average, the average American adult is eating 17 to 23 times per day. 22 times per day. I, you said that, man? I slammed my computer shut. I was like, <laughs> what are you I, but I, because it's so true. Like I would like, I, that's all we're doing. Right. And so it's the grazing, you know, I'm not yeah. saying they're sitting down at a meat at a table and eating a full meal, 17 to 23 times a day, but I'm right. saying they're grazing up to 17 to 23 times per day. It's insane. 
Yeah. And we're coming into grazing season, like with the yes. holidays. The holidays are never, more, I mean, there, if there's a grazing season for, for humans, it is the holidays. So true. Because uh, there's something available all day long. That's one thing that I did. I want to get your take on this is I decided, I've always been, I mean, for the, since I've been intermittent fasting, I've been fit, never, my weight doesn't fluctuate, but I actually stopped snacking about, mm-hmm. gosh, I don't know, maybe a year ago. I mean, not to say that I never have a snack, but I just convinced myself. I'm like, I was looking at what I was snacking on and I'm like, are you just programmed to have these snacks? Like, are you, is this a habit or do you really want these? And so I said, okay, well, we're going to do a, we're going to do a clinical study. So I said for the next 30 days, they're not in the house. It's not even available. So it's not an option. And I realized after probably two weeks, Ben, I wasn't even hungry, brother. I was just, I was in, it was, it was the same time. It was like, oh, it's three o'clock. I'd get up from my desk. I'd go to the kitchen. I'd do the same thing. I'd program myself to believe that I needed a snack. After two weeks, I'm like, I'm not even hungry. Yeah, I love that. You're right. It's just a programming. It's a habit. It's habitual. And in reality, if you eat enough real food, especially protein, there's no need to snack. I mean, like you said, you weren't even hungry. Yeah, that's so it's so wild. And I'm sure you've seen that a ton, like with all of your thing. Is that something that... I mean, obviously that has some metabolic benefits as well, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, because most people are insulin resistant, right? And they really, every time you snack, you're adding gasoline to the fire. I remember Megan Ramos. She's a good friend of mine. She works closely with Dr. Jason Fung. She was telling me about an analogy about how this works, right? It's like, um, let's say, Jay, you, you know, you're in your office and you're trying to get work done. And then somebody every two to three hours, somebody's banging on your door and interrupting you. It's like, you're not going to be productive. Same thing. It's going to, um, it's like having somebody knock on your, you know, your beta cells of your pancreas and they keep stimulating insulin. It's not going to be productive towards good health. It's like constant interruption, constant interruption. So especially if you're metabolically challenged and you're one of the 88% who are metabolically unhealthy, snacking is not doing you any favors. It's that person knocking on your door and interrupting you every two to three hours, starting the digestive process, and then you have to sprinkle insulin or, or spike insulin, glucose and insulin, and it's not going to help you heal. Now, someone like me and Jay, we can get away with snacking, but there's no need uh, because right. again, it still has to take energy to process the food and insulin, and it'll take energy away from our day to day. It's not needed. Uh, you know, two big meals a day on most days is all you really need with enough protein, and you should be you should be just you should thrive just doing that. Yeah, it wasn't affecting my weight. Like I wasn't like I was gaining weight yeah. or anything like that. One thing I did find, and I, and I want you to speak about the benefits of, of both keto and the fasted state on the cognitive state, but mm. I, I realized too that if I would just drink more water when I thought I was needed my snack, my cognitive state was so much higher. Like I was at peak, like my brain worked better. Talk to me about a little bit about that, because after I would have the snack, it was almost like I was like, oh man, I do, I, I'm a little lethargic. Yeah, but, because- yeah. To your point, you know, it takes it takes energy and blood flow to process a meal, whether it's a healthy meal, or a small meal or, or a big meal. Perfect example is like we, we have Thanksgiving right here coming up. Um, and I don't know when this is going to be released. So maybe it was just passed depending on yeah. your release date. But Thanksgiving every year or Christmas or whatever feast night. What happens when somebody eats a huge meal? They're first thought, I'm going to go get some exercise done, or I'm going to go get some work done. <laughs> Not at all. Right, Jay, they go find a couch, they plant their butt on there and they turn on the, the game and they turn into a couch potato, right? Cause yeah. it takes massive amounts of energy and resources and blood flow to digest food. It really does, whether it's a snack or even a big meal. So when you fast, obviously you're not using all of those resources for digestion. You're using the resources and it's not being redirected to the brain. And there's also, you know, there's, there's science behind it, but also let me explain, like, it just makes sense um, because we're genetically hardwired this way. When the body is in a fasted state, let's say it's 16 hours in a fast, the innate intelligence, which is the wisdom inside of the human body starts to go into the survival mode, meaning it, it thinks you're going through a famine just like our ancestors did for so long. The innate intelligence doesn't know, like you said, about Whole Foods or DoorDash or Uber Eats. It automatically goes into this process. So it raises something called counter-regulatory hormones. This is your, your sympathetic tone. It raises cortisol and glucagon and human growth hormone. As insulin drops, these go up. It runs, They run counter to insulin. That's why they're called counter-regulatory hormones. And this is the innate intelligence's way of literally 
pumping the body full of energy and resources. Why? Because it thinks you're going through a famine. It wants you to be alert and energized to go hunt and kill in order to stay alive. But thank God we live in a country where we have food readily available. We could use all that energy and resources for a podcast interview, for reading a book, uh, to be present with your significant other. And that's what's happening. Not to mention the brain gets flooded with BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor, so you can stay alert and creative. And that's why you just, it's like a superpower. Can you relate to that, Jay, when you're fast? Oh, feel like a superpower totally. to you? Totally. I just did a, a live event about maybe a month ago and it was time for lunch. And everybody's like, oh, you're going to come eat lunch with us. And I'm like, I don't eat. And they're like, what do you mean you don't eat? How are you going to have the energy for the rest of the day? And I'm like, trust me, I will have plenty <laughs> of energy for the rest of the day. So it. if I'm doing a live event, like I won't eat until the event is over because I know that it makes me lethargic. My brain's not as snappy. Like I want to be fresh. My recall's not as good. Are you the same way? Whenever I speak on stage or I'm at a lot, yeah, same thing. I'm, I'm going to do it fasted because I just feel so much better like you. Yeah. 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 I feel light. I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm more, I'm sharp. I can, I can answer questions quicker. Like exactly. your brain just fires at, a, at, a, at, a, at a just such a different rate. But on the fasting topic, before we go, and I want to be respectful of your time, you, you mentioned being like rigid and, and whatnot. Like how do you handle your fasting window? Because you do travel a lot. You are, you're super busy, dude. Do you kind of stick to like a, a certain schedule, no matter where you are, or how do you, how do you handle your fast? I think it's important to constantly change your schedule, uh, not only because, you know, it keeps things fun and interesting, but it also benefits you because as, as you know, you're, you know, you're a fitness guy. If you're, if you've got members in your gym, right, your Thrive Fitness Studio, and mm -hmm. you give them the same workout every single week, what happens, Jay? Right. Yeah. They, well, first out. of all, they get bored out of their mind. They get and bored. Then, yeah. 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 And, and, and second of all, up. they're like, I'm not getting results. Like, uh, exactly. Yeah. Right. right. So every great fitness coach like Jay knows, okay, the magic is in the variation. I got to, you know, one week is high rep, low, um, high rep, low weight. Next week is high weight, low rep and change the work, the movement. Same thing with your fasting schedule. The more you mix things up, the bo your body has to adapt and you get results. So to answer your question, I'm always mixing up my schedule uh, intentionally. Right. So I might have breakfast one day and then uh, skip breakfast the next day. And the cool thing about being metabolically flexible, as you know, and I do travel a lot, I'm not going to eat on an airplane. I'm not going to eat at the airport uh, because it's toxic and, you know, that's not real food. It's like you said, food like substances. So I'm just right. going to fast. And if I have like an eight hour travel day, I'm fasting that whole day. And right. that's no big deal. I have body fat and I could do that. Right. So it allows you to have this flexibility versus a day where I'm back home. And I feel like yesterday I fasted all day. I'm going to feast all day. I'm not going to fast today. So it's the variation. But to answer your question in general, most days, my eating window is between, let's say, like 12.30 p.m. and 4.30 p.m. on most days. Uh, but I'm not, you know, committed to that. I'm yeah. not rigid and I mix it up all the time. Do you, Preferably, do you like that smaller window? I do. I do me like too. that smaller. I, I prefer to skip breakfast, to be honest with you. Yeah, but um, there's a lot of research that shows it's beneficial to have breakfast and, have, and skip dinner. So, I, you know, I intentionally mix things up because of that. Yeah. Yeah, the more I've done it, like, you know, like, again, guys, I've been doing this for over 10 years. So take this for what it's, you know, for where I'm at, not where you're starting at. But yeah, I, I love like a smaller feeding window. Sometimes I'll have like a, a four to five hour feeding window max. Same. Yeah. And I, and I feel that feel the sharpest. I sleep the best. Um, everything yep. just is really, really beautiful. Ben, you're, you're, I mean, listen, dude, I could talk to you for, for ages. What's the, so obviously we're going to go by Keto Flex. So we can understand the principles and all that about that. What's the easiest way for people? And again, guys, everything Ben has to offer is available in the show notes and it'll be in all of the uh, promotional um, on socials and everywhere. So you'll be easy to find them. But Ben, where is the easiest place to find like all your jazz and like everything about you? Yeah. Thank you, Jay. It's been a awesome um, chatting with you and uh, we're going to have another conversation very soon on my podcast next week. So uh, the Keto Camp podcast would be a great transition for your audience if, you know, since they're listening on a podcast, um, Keto Camp, Campus Boat with the K, we're available on all platforms. Um, but my website, benazadi.com, has all of that. It has the book, it has the social media, it has the podcast. So if you just go to benazadi.com, you could find everything. Uh, and I hope, uh, hopefully this resonated with your audience. And, uh, oh, you know, if yeah. there's one thing your audience could do out of this conversation, 
is to change your thoughts. You know, you change your thoughts, yeah. you change your life. Let that be the first thing that your audience does. That's, you know, you took the words that I remember that I was going to ask you, like, what would you, what, what would your parting words be? And I could not agree more. And taking it back to kind of where we started, guys, Ben posted this today and it's, you know, drowning in information, but starving for wisdom. I think one of the, the best things that you said, Ben, was just find a person or a couple of people yeah. that you resonate with, that that you just feel a connection with and a vibe. And we talked about that before we started the calls, like, you know, talking about our buddy Lance. It's like, you just yeah. know, right? Like, you know, and, and when you know, you know, and if it doesn't feel right, then it's probably not right. And you find somebody else. It's it's totally exactly. cool, right? Like we, we can't all help everybody, right? But uh, we all want to. And so follow Ben, go get his book. Go to the YouTube channel. All of your stuff is so amazing, dude. Like, I'm so grateful that Lance was kind enough to introduce me to you. And um, I can't wait to, to learn more about you and, and uh, connect more. I, I, I'm also grateful for Lance and for you, Jay. Um, you know, it's funny because Lance kind of kind of played the role of like a podcast booking agent, didn't he? Like through email. He's <laughs> yeah. like, what's your schedule? And like, Let me get you Jay's schedule. Yeah. Like, and he help coordinate it. He didn't have to do that. Lance is crushing it and he has his own platform and he took the time to do that, which is just a testament to him. So love you, Lance. And then Jay, love what you're doing as well. Can't wait to bring you on my show. Thank you, brother. It's been a treat. I'll always send Lance. I'm like, Hey man, you don't have to do this. He's like, no, no, no. You guys are going to love each other. I'm like, okay. okay. All right, cool. As long as it's not putting you out. He's, He's a rock star. So Ben, again, thank you, brother. Everything you're doing is amazing. I cannot wait to, uh, continue to follow you, continue to grow and learn, man. Appreciate you. Likewise, brother. Thank you, Jay. See ya. Hey, before you go, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit podcast and watching on YouTube. It means the absolute world to me. And if you would, if you would do me one favor, and that is simply subscribe and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you enjoy it on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. I would absolutely be so grateful and so thankful if you do that for me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again next week with an awesome, awesome episode. Bye.